Welcome to Business Over Brew, the show where we talk business with some of the Riverbend's most interesting and influential business leaders, all while enjoying a nice brew from the Great Rivers Tap and Grill inside the Best Western Premier Hotel in Alton. Today, we'll talk to Big Z owner and president, Sam Stem. He'll tell us about the history of the radio station dating back to 1948 and why the people who have worked here have been so important to the radio station and the community. So let's get to it. It's the Business Over a Brew podcast from the Great Rivers Tap and Grill inside the Best Western Premier Hotel in Alton. Welcome to Business Over a Brew. Very special episode this time. Pleased to be joined by the owner of the Big Z and, and my mentor, Sam Stim. Well, thanks. Did you ever think of yourself as my mentor? Uh, no, okay. not really. I have to maybe examine what that all means. <laughs> I, I guess that means when uh, when you mess something up, it's my fault. Yeah, well, that's how Sam taught me to do it, is what I usually say. So, uh, well, well, let's talk a little bit about the, just the history of the radio station and how you got started at the Big Z. Um, well, the history of the radio station, the station went on the air in 1948. Um, it was it was one of many community AM stations that hit the airwaves on the heels of World War II. And the goal then is as it is now, and that was to to be a resource to, to serve the community. Um, and, and so it's. It's been locally owned and operated for all that time. A number of ownership changes along the way. Uh, some of the more well-known owners, a uh, fellow by the name of Ed Palin, who uh, who was well-known in the community and well-known in, in the broadcasting industry. So through much of the 50s and into the 60s, Mr. Palin was was the owner. And then a, a, a group called Morell Broadcasting took it over in the early 60s. Um, and that, that was a group that consisted of Walter Brink, who was the general manager, um, and then um, Helen Hamer Walters, who was an on-air personality and, and a female pioneer in, in the radio business. Uh, there were not many females in radio in the 60s, let alone those who were, who were really the top talent at the station. And, and she, was, uh, she was well known in the community for her talk show. And then the, the third member of that group was Nick Bono, who was the engineer and, and also became well, well known in the community. And they operated the station until, um, until it was bought by the Dreeth family in 1984. And, and the way I, I became involved, actually I worked at WOKZ when it was owned by Morell Broadcasting in the late seventies for about two years as the sports director. And um, I, I got that job right out of college. Um, they, they had an opening for a sports director. I had, you know, majored in mass communications at SIUE. I had a desire to do play-by-play. And, and so, you know, I, I slipped right into that and, and, and loved the opportunity. I, I then left radio in, uh, in uh, 19... Late 1979. So it was for a couple of years in the late 70s that I was at WOKZ. Went on to do some other things. The Dreeth family bought the station in 1984. And in 1987, uh, they they were looking for somebody. I had uh, things had not worked out in one of my other jobs. And so I went out and interviewed at at the Big Z with the thought that you know, I probably wasn't going to get back into radio, but 
that, you know, Louis Dreeth had called me and asked me if I'd come in and talk to him. And I walked in the door and all all those memories of mm-hmm. how great radio was came flooding back. He offered me the job. I took it. Three years later, I was given the opportunity to become the general manager. And then a couple of years after that, I, I had an opportunity to join the ownership group until finally. And, and I'm trying to remember what year it was, I guess, 2004. When I bought out the last of the of the Dreeth family, Clyde Jones, who who was a half brother to to Louis and Chuck, and uh, Clyde gave me the opportunity to buy his stock, and I became the the sole owner at that point. And and I know I've told you this story before. I we closed on that deal. I gave Clyde the check, and and uh, I walked into the radio station the next day, and I thought, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> now I can't even get mad and quit, right? You know, because how, how do you quit when you own the place? And so um, you know, the, the the rest is history. But but it's it's odd, Nick. I I never aspired to be a, a radio station manager, nor a radio station owner, and yet. You know, through happenstance, I I found myself owning the radio station in my hometown. And you, like me, you know a lot of radio station owners. And there are not very many that own the radio station in their hometown. Right. And so, you know, I I find myself uh, fortunate being in that position. Uh, Talk a little bit about, I think one of the the things that I, I guess I'm most proud of at the station is, where it's come from, where it was. And, and, and there were really uh, some moments where it was uh, maybe nip and tuck, whether it was going to make it or not. Well, yeah, and, and I think that's true going all the way back to 1948. Sure. I, th- I think there were times along the way where it was a very difficult business to be in. And, you know, along the way, under my general managership and my ownership, there, there were times, especially early on when, when things were really tough, where you wondered where, you know, how you were going to na- make the next payroll. Uh, but I'm proud to say we always did. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, again, you like me, you've heard the stories of the stations right. where, you know, on payday, the, the employees would be racing to the bank to see who could be the first to cash their checks because they weren't all going to clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we, we never had had to worry about that. But it, it's it's funny that you asked that question because I I was just thinking the other day about some of the things we take for granted now. Uh, one of them being oh. having... Uh, and and you know this is this is kind of inside baseball here, but having a production library, because when I first came to work at the radio station back in the late seventies, there was no such thing. If you wanted to put music behind a commercial, you went and found some music albums, some thirty three and a third albums, and you'd go and find see if you could find an, an instrumental section that was thirty seconds long that you could put behind the the uh, behind the commercial. Well, we, we take it for granted now, and I think uh, all of our employees take it for granted that, oh, yeah, you know, if, if we're producing a commercial, here's this library of, of music, especially cut, you know, to be background music and exactly commercials. Exactly, 30 seconds. And we'll just go find one that's, that's just perfect to, to, right. to fit the commercial that, that we're cutting. And, and it wasn't always so, you know. Um, and then, of course, the, the way some of the technology has changed, too, is um, – is another story about about how things have changed. But, uh, you know, I, I'm proud to say that 
here in uh, 2019, you know, the station's on very solid ground. And I'm I'm proud that I reached out to you and brought you aboard as general manager three years ago. This is the mutual admiration side sure. society, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. I don't know which camera. I'm I was to hoping look you'd at. come on and say good things about me. That's but, really uh, why I had you on. Uh, well, you know, it was either that or fire you on, on air, and I I <laughs> didn't think that that was the way sure. to do it. You know, so uh, but uh, you know the the station's on on strong uh, financial ground. This the station is well respected in the community, and that's probably the thing that was the hardest to do was to gain that that respect because there there was a time well I'll, I'll give you an example when when I first came to work at um, the big Z in 1987 I'd run into people around town this is my hometown I'd run into say hey what are you doing now you know oh I'm working at, at WBG W what what's that you know Oh, that's uh, oh, that's the old that, that WOKZ, and of course, well, right. The only thing anybody knew about WOKZ was that was the station you turned on if the weather was bad in the morning to find out if you had to go to school. Otherwise, you know, the general consensus was there wasn't any other reason to listen listen to that radio station. Uh, and I knew I knew that we had turned the corner when a number of years later, you know, I'd be in the line at the grocery store. And I'd say something to the um, to the checker, and somebody behind me would say, "I know who you are." <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, it, we went from when I told somebody where I worked, they had no idea what it was, to the point where, you know, people recognized me because they recognized my voice, which told me, you know, people people were were listening, and and so you know that was. That didn't happen overnight. Uh, and I, I don't know how much time you want me to take here, but there were a number of events that really helped kind of turn the tide. One of them, a very sad event, that was the, that was the whole Paula Sims mm-hmm. ordeal and, and the, the killing of her second daughter. And, you know, we were the, there was hour to hour coverage of that. Not only on our station, but, you know, every television station and every radio station in St. Louis had people here camping out at the police department and, you know, waiting to see see what was going to happen. Well, you know, we because we're local, we knew people in the police department. We knew people locally. We knew what was going on sometimes hours before the the St. Louis media knew and so we became we became a resource the the second event that really turned people towards the big Z was the flood of 93 and again you know that that was so far ranging in the community and 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 you know being able to be a resource for instant reliable uh, information really caused a lot of people to to gain a lot of respect for for what it was we were doing and two things about that flood of 93 one one was a letter that i received from a, a high school classmate that i hadn't seen in years and you know a, a month or so after everything had kind of subsided with the flood i got a i got this letter in the mail this was back before people sent email you know 93 right. nobody Nobody knew what email was or text messaging or anything. Back then, people still wrote letters. And, and I got this letter one day at the radio station. Hey, hey, Sam, you know, I haven't seen you in years. I just want to let you know that w- while the flood was going on, 
my wife and I started listening to the station to find out, you know, what was going on. You know, do we need to boil our water? And when the water plant went down, you know, where we had to go to 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 get water and and things like that. And he said, I just want to let you know that when the flood ended, we keep li- and now we're devoted listeners. Mm-hmm. We, we really think, you know, what you're doing for the community is great. Well, that meant so much to me, you know, coming from somebody that I had known. And it's like, OK, finally, you know, we're 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 getting the word out there and 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 we're turning the corner. But the other thing that did my heart good in the flood of 93 was on the Sunday morning. It was Sunday, August 1st. And the water plant went down and there, there was no water in Alton. And, of course, we were on the air with up-to-the-minute updates. Here's what's going on. Here's why you don't have any water. Here's what IEMA, the Illinois Emergency Management Agency, is doing about it. Here's where the water distribution uh, centers are going to be. And about 3 o'clock that afternoon, I got a phone call from my friend. He was my friend, Don Miller, who was the publisher of The Telegraph. And he said, Sam, we're printing an extra this evening because the Telegraph was was a morning paper mm-hmm. on Sundays. So we're printing an extra that's going to be on the streets about 5 o'clock. He goes, what would it take to get some ads on the Big Z to tell people right. that they can go out and buy a newspaper to find out everything that's happened since this morning, mm-hmm. which we had been reporting minute by minute. And, uh, you know, of course, they they wanted to jump in, but sure. they they had to use radio to, to get get the word out. And, um, of course, I I was a nice guy. I didn't double the rates or anything. <laughs> I, I sold him I sold him ads at, at rate card. And I went in and, and caught him myself and had had him on the air within about 20 minutes of, of him calling me. But uh, but that did my heart good. I think the other thing we've done that has uh, certainly enhanced the, the notoriety of the Big Z in the in the community has been our high school sports program. Oh yeah, well, and it and it's interesting. I came to work at the station the second time. Uh, I came to work at the Big Z when I was there in the late seventies. It was WOKZ, and when I came to work in nineteen eighty seven, the the Drees had changed the call letters to WBGZ, the Big Z. And of course, when when I was there in the late seventies, the station was an AM and an FM. And the AM signed off at sundown, but the FM stayed on throughout the night. And so we broadcast a lot of high school sports because we had the night signal on the FM. In 1979, they sold the FM and the high school sports went away because they had to turn the AM off at at six o'clock in the evening. So, you know, evening basketball games, football games, no signal, no Mm -hmm. broadcast. So the Drees bought the station in 84. I came to work there in the spring of 87. And that summer, in July of 87, uh, due to some some legislation that had passed, it was actually an international treaty that the Reagan administration had signed with Mexico, which allowed the daytime stations to stay on past sundown and actually to stay on 24 hours a day. So that fall of 1987 was the first time in eight years that the local radio station in Alton was able to do um, sports broadcasts mm-hmm. in the in in the evening, so we kicked that off. A, a fella by the name of Chuck Rathard, who had actually preceded me as the sports director at WOKZ back in the seventies, he was back working with us part time, and he and I worked with Louis Dreith, and we we kind of put 
put everything together. And that fall, we kicked off uh, a full schedule of uh, high school football, and then that rolled right into basketball and, and baseball and softball in the, in the spring. But that was a memorable that was a memorable year in that 87 uh, Marquette football went to the state uh, semifinals and Roxana went all the way to the state championship game. And we were there documenting that uh, uh, every, every step of the way. And then that, um, that spring, it was kind of odd. You'll appreciate this as the general manager. That spring, we had a, a 30 game baseball and softball schedule, not one rain out. Wow, there there was a drought. That was the spring of '88, and there was a drought. <laughs> Not one. Every every game went along as scheduled, and you know, Chuck and I had told Louie, who was the general manager, said, "Now, you know, we're going to put this schedule together, but you, you know, you got to be able to to pivot here when when you know, because a lot of times these games are going to get canceled and have to be rescheduled and all that." Well, we got about three quarters of the way through the season, and Louis said, I thought you said this was going to be a real hassle in the spring. It's like, well, it usually doesn't happen this way. And I know it's not it happening like, that, like now. that since. No, it hasn't. <laughs> it, it hasn't. But, um, you know, that's to me, that's one of the things that makes a local radio station valuable to the community. There, there are some communities where, where they turn their noses up at, at high school sports. It's like, oh, well, you know, we don't we don't want to break format. We, you know, we've got our regular programs on and we, we don't want to mess that up. But that's, you know, that's what people are looking for. Growing up, I remember listening to uh, the, the high school football games with Dwayne Stats doing the play by play. Dwayne's now the, the he, well, he he broadcasts uh, Major League Baseball. He, he did the Cubs. He did the Yankees. He did the Houston Astros. And he's been with the Tampa Rays for quite a number of mm-hmm. years now and still still doing games down there. But uh, Dwayne, an SIUE graduate and uh, a native of East Alton, I believe. I know he went to East Alton he Wood River High School. He was an oiler for sure. He was an oiler for sure, and I'm pretty sure a lot of great was East Alton and not Wood River, but I couldn't couldn't swear to that. <laughs> but, uh, yes. But, but you know, the, the high school sports is um, – that's part of what makes – uh, a local radio station, local. It, it's serving the community. It's putting the spotlight on these kids. It's, it's a service to the listeners. I can't tell you how many. I know there are grandmas and grandpas out there that can't get to the games and they just love, you know, mm-hmm. listening. They're probably great grandmas and great grandpas in this day and age. And now, you know, with the technology that we have, with the streaming, and, and you know, people can people can live halfway across the country, halfway across the world, and tune in and, and hear a, a nephew or a niece or a grandchild playing high school sports and, and hearing that that play-by-play. And I think everybody who's ever played a sport has dreamed of being a professional in that sport, and, and being on the radio kind of makes you feel like that. It gives you that feel of, of being a professional athlete. When you hear your name on the radio, it's still cool. Well, you know, over the years, we've, we've done so many games, and we have, have such a a, a full schedule that, uh, you know, especially during football season on a Friday night, there might be four or five local mm-hmm. games going on. We can only do one live and then the the rest have to be tape delayed. Uh, this day and age, they're not tape delayed. They're digitally, digitally delayed. delayed. But we, like we still say, use yeah. the term tape delayed. <laughs> and I always just assumed, you know, everybody wanted to be on live until uh, one Friday night I was, I was doing a game and, and, um, you know, I've been doing the Marquette football game since 1987 and actually did some of them back in the late 70s, but continuously since 1987. I got to the stadium, got there early, was down talking to the coaches. One of the one of the kids comes up to me and goes, are we on live or are we on tape? 
And I said, well, sorry, tonight we're on tape. Oh, good. Because what they like to do, I found out, right. was they were hoping they were the, the tape delay game so they could play the game. And then they all they get together with their buddies and girlfriends and sit and listen to the game to find out whose name got mentioned by, right. by the goofy play-by-play guy up there, you know, <laughs> that old guy up there calling the games. But one thing I think um, – Probably if you had to point to one thing as key to our success at the station. And, and I think sometimes I just shake my head as how fortunate we are to have the, the great people working there that, that we've had for so long. Yeah, well, it, it's, you know, it is a blessing to have have good people. And, and you've done a lot of these business over a brew broadcasts. You talk to a lot of business people and talking to them with their advertising. That's probably one of the biggest problems that business owners have, and that is finding good, qualified people to work mm-hmm. in their business. And uh, we've, we've been so blessed over the years to have so many dedicated people who were, who bought into the mission. You know, and we don't really have a mission statement, but I think everybody understands what it is. Right. I think we talk about it when when we hire people, and that is we're here to serve the community. We are a resource for the businesses, for the people, for the institutions in our community. We are here to serve them. We are here to shine a spotlight on everything positive that's happening in the community and where we see injustice, to shine a light on that, too, so that we can try try and overcome it. And so when you've got a group of people— and we've had groups of people all the years that I've been involved now. How many years have I been involved? 87? Well, 32, 32 years. Wow. Uh, over, yeah, over those 32 years, there's uh, some have come and gone. Uh, a, a few have been there almost all, all that time. Not right. quite. But uh, and that's that's the other thing that always I was always proud of is that we, we had such a so many people that have stayed for so long. Mm hmm. Um, it, it was hard to find anybody that, that hadn't been there for five and 10 and 15 and 20 and now 25 right. years. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is sometimes some of them come back more than once. You did that. That's right. Yeah. You know, now I don't, I don't know if that was my personal failing and I, and hiring the same people over <laughs> and over again. I tricked you twice into hiring me. But, uh, but the other thing is, you know, when, when somebody leaves, goes on and does something else and then, and then says, Hey, you know, I'm willing to come back or I'd right. like to come back. That, that tells you, you know, maybe you're, you're doing something right. But there have been a couple of times, you know, when we've been, the station has been honored or, uh, you know, one time I received the Kimmel Award from from SIUE, um, which is a very prestigious award given to to uh, business people within the the Metro East region. And I was just, I was just blown away when I received that award. But when I got up there to to make my acceptance speech, which wasn't near as long as these answers that I'm giving here, <laughs> you know, I, the thing I tried to get across was that this really isn't my award. This award belonged to all the people who worked at the station. They the one, they're the ones down in the trenches. They're the ones that, you know, get there at four o'clock in the morning and, and start putting together a newscast or a sports cast. They're the ones that are, you know, stay late after after their shift. They're the ones that, are, you know, are, are out uh, calling on advertisers and prospective advertisers, whether it's 100 degrees out or whether it's freezing cold. Mm-hmm. They're the ones down in the trenches. They're the ones getting it done. They're the ones who are committed to the mission. And it's it's only through their efforts that 
you know, somebody thought I was worthy of, of getting an award. So yeah, you're absolutely right. We've, we've, we've been blessed and, and, um, you know, hopefully we'll continue to be blessed in that way. We're just about out of time, but I wanted to ask you about, obviously, in, in 2015 was a, a pretty important event for the radio station, um, adding the FM signal. And oh, I thought you were going to point out that was the year you came back for the second time. I guess it actually was. Yeah. That's where you thought I was I thought going that's where you were going. No, but, but, but you're right. It, 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 was a, it was a huge benefit to the people we serve. For us to be able to to uh, add the FM, the community FM signal, and um, it uh, it's hard to put into words why that's so important because you know you really have to go into some detail about what's happened to the AM band. The AM band one time at one time was very viable; it's much less viable now, mm-hmm. and that really all has to do with modern technology. You know, uh, almost every modern invention over the last 40 or 50 years has denigrated the the ability of AM receivers to pick up AM radio signals, be it um, uh, CFL light bulbs, be it um, smartphones, be mm-hmm. it LED televisions, and on and on and on. All of these things, microwave ovens is, a, is another one. Uh, th- th- things that everybody has in their household. And, and it used to be that you could turn on an AM radio and have a clear, crisp signal. That, that signal went many, many miles further than it does now today. But because of all this modern technology, AM is just becoming less and less viable. And then when you compare it to the technology that's out there, when, when music started showing up on CDs and was crystal clear, when, when uh, you know, the FM band came into vogue and, and now digital transmission and all that, there are so many other delivery methods that are so crystal clear and AM isn't. And so given the opportunity, when we had that opportunity, it, it was a no brainer for us to. And, and it was several years of work. It, it happened in January of 15. January 12, 2015 is when the, the, the Big Z started broadcasting in FM. But we started working on that three or four years before that. And it, and it culminated in that. And um, it, it really was just another example of our commitment to the community going forward. We could have sat there and just said, hey, this is the best we can do on AM. And, and, but that wasn't really serving the community the way we want to serve it. We wanted to give them that, that crystal clear option. And then, of course, what was really heartening to me is probably within the first two weeks of us having our signal on FM, uh, I had more than one person tell me I sounded younger on FM. Sure. So I was like, well, if I'd have known that, I'd have done this a long time ago. Right, right. Well, well thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for, for all you've done for the radio station and, and where you brought it. And, and probably most important, thanks for giving me the opportunity to be the, uh, the general manager of my hometown radio station. Well, it, it's been my pleasure all around. And uh, I, I jokingly earlier, I said I couldn't really fire you on, but I couldn't fire you off the air either. But uh, it, it it's as I said, it's been a lifelong pleasure to be, to have the opportunity to be the general manager of my hometown radio station. So we at least have that in common. Thanks, Thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate it. Thanks for watching the Business Over a Brew podcast. 
For more video of me drinking free beer with some of the Riverbend's most interesting and influential business leaders, visit OltonDailyNews.com and click on the podcast page. To enjoy a great meal with great food, great service, and great atmosphere, visit Great Rivers Tap and Grill inside the Best Western Premier in Alton. Check out some of their new menu items at GreatRiversTapAndGrill.com. 